up, everybody, and welcome to Tailgate Talks, powered by the nation. Today is Wednesday, November 29th, and you're listening to episode number 207. Today, we are recapping a ugly Black Friday for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. We are uh, recapping Texas Tech's trip to the Bahamas and the battle for Atlantis. We're going to recap their two-in-one trip there. So lots to discuss. And before we get into that, make sure you are following us. Follow the tailgate on Apple, on Spotify. Give us those five stars. Five stars for the tailgate. And if you listen to us on Apple, we always appreciate those reviews. Also follow our social media accounts. We are on Twitter at tailgate underscore talks. We're also on Instagram and Facebook and have a YouTube channel that you can subscribe to. And lastly, if uh, if you have any questions or anything you would like us to discuss on the tailgate, you can always send us an email at tailgatetalkspod at gmail.com. So with all of that said, let's go ahead and get into this week's episode. We're going to start this thing off right. Raider! Well, we hope everybody had a happy Thanksgiving. Dustin, how was your Thanksgiving week? Yeah, Thanksgiving week and weekend was mostly good, except for Friday night, obviously. <laughs> yep. Yep, I think that's uh, the, the case for most Red Raiders. A great Thursday and then a, a pretty brutal Friday. Uh, Thanksgiving for me was on Friday. We had to do our Thanksgiving on Friday because family members got in late. So it kind of made the re- the day leading up to the ass kicking all right. And then yeah. that ass kicking just kind of ruined, ruined the day for, for me. But uh, and, and, of course, we had a lot of Red Raiders over to watch that game. So by, you know, halftime, nobody was paying attention. Um, but yeah, Texas Tech gets absolutely annihilated by the Texas Longhorns in the most embarrassing loss so far of the Joey McGuire era, a 57 to seven, uh, pounding by the Texas Longhorns in the final meeting between the two teams as big 12 conference foes from the looks of it, the final meeting between the two teams for what could be quite a while. So Dustin, what were your thoughts on the. Uh, poor effort, if you can even say there was an effort uh, by the Red Raiders on Friday. Yeah, poor effort is giving us too much credit, probably. Yeah. I mean, that just, they, I don't know if they even got off the plane and the bus to show up for this game. I mean, I know Texas had a lot bulletin board material from us and tech fans and the new commissioner. So they had a lot to play for. They have future stuff to play for also. So they were uh, trying to put it on you and you let them is kind of what I felt like. I mean, the offensive line couldn't block anybody. Receivers were giving up on passes. Defense didn't want to stop or tackle much. I mean, special teams had their worst game of the season. Like you needed this game to go. Texas do all the bad things and you have your perfect and best game. And it went by far the other way around. 
yeah, you looked completely unprepared for what Texas kind of came out. And you should have known, like, that's kind of one of the other disappointing things to me about uh, what a game that was just disappointing in all facets is that, like, you knew Texas was riled up from all of the talk from your mark, from McGuire, from all, like, you knew all that going in. And you didn't look like anywhere near the same energy, that level that they were going to be brought in. You look like you were just completely overtaken by them. And they came out like they were firing. Yeah. You know, the fans were there all the way through the end. Like they were ready for this game. Uh, and you just weren't. You just weren't ready for what they were going to bring out. And that's just a bad job by Joey. That's a bad job by everybody, offense, defense, special teams, to just not yep. even be close to the same level that texas was they just they were just so much better than you in every facet of the game like you said special teams has been your most probably reliable um all, all season long and mcnamara was bad his punts were terrible you give up a, a blocked punt you uh the holder or the snapper, snapper got hurt got hurt yeah and then you gave up a, a kick return for a touchdown like you were just and the block part, you're just yeah. terrible on that defense, you know, kind of held you kind of kept you in the game. There was a point where it was 23 to seven. You're like, how the hell is this 23 to seven? It was because defense kept holding them to field goals, holding them to field goals. And then finally the second half, it was just like, you know, they, they bent till they broke and your offense just did absolutely <laughs> nothing. And we'll get into that a little bit more, but yeah, it was just, a, I mean, well, while we're on that, I mean, we'll jump ahead just a tad bit. Like, talk about special teams but defense they did their part in the first half yeah i mean texas did score somehow on all five or six possessions they had but it was only like one touchdown and a lot of field goals so like watching it i was like "Eh, this could be a lot worse like like they got like 12 points off field goals i think or something like that and you weren't sitting that bad. Like you were down, I think seventeen or something like that at half. Like I think it was one terrible seven at halftime. Yeah, nineteen. Like not terrible. It could have been way, way worse. It could like, have been. It could have been fifty to seven at halftime. Like that. That could have already been the score. Yeah. Because not only like did the defense hold them, your offense put them in terrible positions a couple times. You know, with a, a couple of Bears no picks. Um, and. and that's what we kept saying watching it was like, oh, great. They're already on the 30-yard line with blocked punt or a pick. And yeah. defense holds them, and it's like, all right, well, that's not too bad. Hold them to three there. Yeah, it was like, all right, we're somehow still not out of this game at half. It was beyond kind of shocking. And you're like, hey, you know, if you get one offensive possession and score, you know, you're still kind of hanging in there, and that's what you wanted. And then – you come out of the gates at halftime and you give up the kick return and you're like, all right, the slaughter was on from there. Your offense uh, had three, three and outs to start the second half. Uh, you couldn't do. Yeah, they did. The special um, just absolutely gave you no chance to win this game at all. Seven points. The what the lowest output of scoring you've had this season. And, you know, that's that's still a season where you've you've been pretty bad offensively, uh, but you still were able to get up some points. But one one drive set up, I think, by a turnover, a nice kick return was all you got. Like you were already across midfield. Other than that, I don't think you really passed midfield at all. Um, Dustin, your thoughts about the offense and uh, its 
god awful performance from Friday. I guess I know what Iowa football fans feel like now watching offenses because that's what that felt like was every time we got the ball and it was like, well, how many possessions are we going to have till we punt Yeah, <laughs> or throw a turnover? Well just it just felt so hopeless. It's so bad. It's as hopeless as I've ever felt watching an offense run out onto the field. Like every time we get the ball and they'd run out there and be like, all right, like how fast in time are we going to get to, to fourth down? Um, and then you didn't even trust your punter to go out there and change the field position. It was, there was one play where you did the trick play. And of course that had two penalties on it. <laughs> so, yeah, so that dude. gets brought back. But at that point I saw somebody tweet out Austin McNamara on that, like 10 yard catch would have been your second leading receiver in the game at that point. And I think what has still been like your second leading receiver as after the game was over, just because of yeah. how bad Baron was, how bad your receivers were at getting open. Like, the receivers were abysmal in this game. Like, I, I, I don't know who to put the most yes. of the blame on, but your receivers have to be a large portion of that because they were just like Jaron Bradley quit. Jaron Bradley quit on a couple balls. Um, Barron wasn't good. I mean, 19 for 88. Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's fucking I awful. mean, <laughs> your leading receivers, Koy Aiken, at four for 27. Like, He's made up stats. It feels like nineteen like, for eighty-eight yards is uh, who is that quarterback in the NFL that uh, Big Cat would always make fun of on part of my take? Uh, that's the uh, Cardinals' first-round pick. Like yeah, Rosen stat line for eighty yards with three picks. <laughs> that was this. Baron um, honestly, like the only person on offense you cannot blame is Tosh yeah. Brooks. Like 19 for 95 is good, but if you watch the game, those 95 yards were probably the hardest 95 yards he's ever had to run yeah. for in his life. Like every play was hit at the line of scrimmage or back. And just because of how he is, you know, shrugs a guy off and fights for more, but it was just, they just had too many guys and we couldn't block anybody. Like the offensive line was terrible as well. And so they were getting pushed back on run plays. Like (laughs) no wonder Brooks couldn't run for anything. So like, it was just, and that's, that's from top down. I mean, head coach, offense coordinator, not being on the same page with the game plan or adjusting. I mean, at the end of the first quarter, they interviewed McGuire on the sideline and he said something about like we need to feed twenty eight more. He's like our best player, something like to that effect. And then we come out with eight straight pass plays. Yeah. So it's top down. I mean, communication, game plan, execution from everybody on all parts. Like it was abysmal. So one of our weekly segments is our. Zach Kitley's status update. <laughs> and so after what was probably by far your worst offensive performance in a year of God awful offensive performances, um, the 50 burger shirt, you know, we tweeted out after the game, you know, Zach Kitley's 50 burger Oof. offense put up exactly zero 50 burgers this season. Um, and, and you had to play Tarleton state in there. That was like your one chance. And you didn't do it in Zach Kelly's two seasons here at Texas tech. He has put up two 50 burgers. I would only count one of them because one of the 50 burgers was against Murray state who was uh, 
that yeah, doesn't that doesn't count, count as a real opponent. Your other was against Oklahoma, which you know we'll count that. But you've put up 150 burger in um, over 20 20 games ish now. games. Uh, you can't wear those shirts anymore. You better burn them. But where are you at on Zach Kitley right now? Because I know towards the end of the season here, we're both kind of really off the Kitley train. But it seems like seems like he might be sticking around. Yeah, I mean, I was even tweeting it out during the game that. <laughs> I mean, I was saying one and a half more games of this OC. Then I was like, I'd be cool having an interim for the bowl game. And I was like, I'd be cool having somebody else call in the fourth quarter. (laughs) Like, it was just so bad. And, like, we didn't see anything really good adjustments throughout the year. Like, giving Taj Brooks the ball more, you know, middle end of the way through the year. That's not – that's pretty that's no not, duh kind yeah, of adjustment that's not being a good offensive coordinator. That's just doing what everybody <laughs> literally on Texas tech Twitter was asking you to do. That's like when you look at your Madden roster and it's like, huh, got a few good linemen, real good running back. Everybody else is in like the seventies. Probably yeah. should run it. <laughs> like that's all that was. Yeah. Like, if that's your qualifications to remain offensive <laughs> coordinator, then I think you and me have as good of a claim to that position title as, uh, as Zach Kitley does, because that's exactly what we'd have done. Yeah. I mean, overall, I'm out on him because in two seasons, you know, over 20 games, we haven't been an offensive explosion hardly at all. And, I mean, last year, oh, that's fine. You can give some pass because of how much guys were hurt, like, quarterback-wise, that had different things to do first year in the offense. This year, I'm not going to give that much of a pass because you have the two quarterbacks coming back that know the offense. One of them gets hurt. Barron comes in and didn't look like Barron had progressed as a player in the last year. And that's going from a freshman to a sophomore. That should be a really huge jump. It looks like he regressed to me. Regressed. And maybe you can blame the shoulder a little bit, but – that goes back to my point I made a few weeks ago when you had Hurt Barron and Jake Strong in is you should adjust your game plan and game calling and coaching to who's in. And I don't think Killy ever yeah. did that throughout the year. Like I know he comes from the cliff tree, no adjustments. <laughs> and so like I'm out on him now. I don't ask like, well, who do you want? I don't know offensive coordinators in college yeah. football and who Joey wants and that kind of thing. You know, like it's different when we want different head coaches. Like they're not as hard to go out and look for, find kind of deal. I'm not dialed into assistant college football coaching out there, but I would like to go look for someone else. The only downside I can see is – are some of these big recruits coming in tied to Kitley? Yeah, that's what I wonder. And and if they are, I don't think you want to upset that apple cart before they're here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's my like overall thoughts. I'm out, but I'm also hesitant, I guess, because of the recruiting side. 
Like literally, that would be the only reason. If it's like, if that's what Micah Hudson's coming here for, if like the, you know, that's what some of the players are coming here for. But uh, then, like, yeah, I think you got to roll the dice with him one more year. But I don't know why they're coming here for him because if I watch this offense, yeah, season, that's the other like, I don't point of it too. I don't yeah. know if I want to go play for that guy. Like, uh, I think you know, you're obviously coming to play for Joey. I think uh, your wide receiver coach was a big help in getting them and. He's probably a better recruiter than he is a wide receiver coach because if there's any group, a uh, position group that completely regressed a whole lot, it was your wide receivers. Yep. Um, but you know, I'm like you. I'm out on Killy. Uh, I, I didn't see anything from him this year that made me believe that he can be a good offensive coordinator at this level. Uh, if he keeps his job, it's strictly on the fact that you had an amazing season from Taj Brooks, one of the best running back seasons you'll see from a Red Raider probably over the next, I don't know how long, unless he comes back. Yeah. Um, and that would be the only reason. And I don't even, I, I asked you this, I think when we, we met up on Saturday, like how many percentage of the Taj Brooks runs were hit at the like the line of scrimmage or beyond, but somehow he turned into six, seven yards. Like those, they they weren't even good run calls that you're giving him. It's just strictly that Taj Brooks is that good. God no. Um, and so that's that's the part for me. It's like his, even his run game was boring. This whole entire offense, the pass game was boring, non-creative. The run game boring, non-creative. You just had a really good. The creative part is key to all this, like in every aspect of our offense. There's, there's no creativity. Mm-hmm. Texas is running running back sweeps and getting guys out in space. And, and, and I don't even know if Kitley knows that that's a play, which is bullshit because he's our age, so that means he played NCAA growing up, and he knows the halfback sweep exists because we all know that play exists. And like, All right, here you go. The Yep, this is recent. This is from, yeah, end of the game. Brooks has 855 yards after contact, which is second in the country. That's uh, over half of the yards uh, that he's had. Yes. um, On the season, because I think he had like over 1,400. Um, But, yeah, that's just insane to me that he gets to keep this job. I, I, I definitely think if I'm Joey, like, all right, year one, you know, you come in kind of with no expectations. You have a good year. So now year two, our expectations were raised. You didn't meet those expectations. You regressed a little bit. Year three is an important year to progress and show that you can actually make this team progress in the right direction. And I just haven't seen anything from Kitley that shows that. Once again, everything on offense regressed. Line regressed. Receivers regressed. Quarterback play regressed. The only thing that didn't regress, Taj Brooks the only savior of this offense um, and the excuse making like, I, you know, um, like a lot of people, Oh, injuries. Oh, injuries. Uh, we came into this room saying, or into this season saying we had the most talented QB room in the country. That's not our words. That's Joey McGuire himself said that that's believing in Chuck and Baron Morton in being able to uh, lead this offense to victories. Both of them looked like they regressed. Um, and, Baron Morton's injury was because of Zach Kittley calling a QB power in a West Virginia game where he already lost Tyler Shuck to a broken leg. Like these were self-inflicted wounds. Um, And so I'm not going to buy the excuse making, but I'm with you. It's just like kind of feels like we're keeping them around to keep these recruits happy. Uh, But if, 
you know, if there's any coach that's really, really on the hot seat, like he's got to figure out how to utilize these weapons. And maybe some of it is the talent. Maybe we didn't, we didn't have the receivers that we needed. Maybe we still don't have the offensive line depth that we really want to be able to compete. Um, but for me, the alarming fact is like right now, I really don't know what Baron looks like. How, how do you feel about Baron after this season heading into next year where he is the presumable QB one? Yeah, I think Barron gets a little more pass and leeway on this conversation than Kitley does because of the shoulder injury because that's something that's just a nagging injury that takes time to heal. And obviously when Jake Strong is doing what he was doing, you don't have time for Barron to heal. So you had to put him out there in a limited fashion. Like bowl game is probably going to be the best we see him all season yeah, <laughs> like which is crazy but it is so um i give baron a pass i mean he's still only a sophomore i would hope and expect for big things next year but we'll talk about that later but the shoulder thing really did limit him a lot i think yeah it's hard to really judge because you know you do kind of give him all right how injured was he i guess we'll never really know but at sometimes his arm right. was really popping and he was making some great throws but it was just never consistent and so that's what i wonder is like was he only able to really deliver a few fastballs a game before his his arm really started mm-hmm. wearing on him and maybe the one true game that we can really judge him on this season will be the bowl game. Like, how does he come out? How does he look in that game? Are we like, okay, this guy looks like the guy who can who can maybe lead us and help us, uh, can be the quarterback for next season. Right now, I'm still a little skeptical. I still do think, like, sure, his arm, but some of his decision-making, you know, is pretty flawed. He does make some really questionable throws. There's multiple times he's throwing into several coverages, and so that's one of the other things that, I have an issue with Kitley's. I just don't think he's a great quarterback developer. Like, I don't really know. Um, was was Zappy just good because he was playing shitty competition? Um, and that's what made Probably. it so good because, like, it just hasn't hasn't looked like he can teach a quarterback how to read a defense. It's very it's a lot of reading the first option, or if that's not there, uh, it's a disaster. So. Um, I don't know. Remains to be seen on what Baron can officially be. We'll kind of have, uh, I think we'll have our answers. We'll have our answer after the bowl game for that. Um, we've already kind of talked about defense and special teams, both of their struggles in this game. Any other thoughts that you wanted to give on those guys before we just kind of wrap up? Or any other things Texas in this game related that you wanted to hit on? Because on the defensive side, it only looked like Braylon Lux was the only dude trying to play. Yeah. Like, so I'll give him some props at least. Yeah, he had your one turnover. Um, he almost had two. He almost had a, a two picks in this game. Um, but, yeah, he was out there playing hard. Other than that, you know, Jalen Hutchings was out. Um, you kind of – you really felt that loss. Yeah, and our injuries hurt us too. Like, Hutchings, T.O., they didn't play. Obviously, J- Jacob Rodriguez didn't play. So I, that hurts you a little bit. Yeah, your your depth was kind of hurting. Uh, you know, Rabbit, I don't think he was 100% in that game. Um, um, so he kind of struggled a little bit. But, um, yeah, you're, you're, you're feeling the losses on that defensive side of the ball at this time of year. Uh, uh, and like we said, they, they bent till they broke. They did all they could to kind of keep you around in this game. 
Uh, but once your offense really failed you um, time and time again, you kind of knew this was about to get bad. Um, any parting thoughts on just kind of how how this loss will leave us going on to the future here with this rivalry? And, of course, uh, fans have been very loud on on both sides of the of this on Twitter uh, after this outcome. Yeah. I mean, last week I did say, I even said it Friday before the game with yeah. people like they beat us by 40. I'm not going to be that upset, but I mean, how the 50 plus game went is the disappointing part. It wasn't like 70 to 30, you know, Mike Leach style. It was just a no show effort. So that sucks, but that's what happens when they have, so much more talent and so much more talented depth at every position. And we knew that going in. So like, I'm not bad, but hurt about it. I wish could have seen some more fight from our side. Um, I think it's a huge wake up call to our coaching staff of where, where we're at and how far behind those guys we were right now. I mean, Joey, two of Joey's worst losses are against that team, you know, in Austin. (laughs) Well, he wasn't here for the last loss there. Luckily. That was Wells yeah. on that one. I'm thinking yeah. of Sark's first year, I guess. But that's that's kind of a good guesstimation of where you're at. Um, yeah, even the Texas fans showed out to kind of rub it in your face at the stadium. Which, hey, more power to them. They get the opportunity yeah. to to do that. Yeah, that's the disappointing part for me is that we uh, completely just didn't show up. You know. Um, yeah, all sides of the ball. You didn't play good. Joey looked completely overwhelmed out there. And this was supposed to be a game where, you know, going into the season, this was a potential Big 12 championship preview or a, a game to get to the Big 12 championship. And you just kind of see how far away you are from that right now. Um, and so, like yeah. I said, that it's a huge eye opener uh, to this coaching staff. And, and should definitely make them question a lot of things. I think, you know, offensively for me, if you are going into next year with Kitley, like Joey's got to be more involved in what's going on on the offensive side. I agree. Like I, 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 there's got to be a time where he talks to Kitley and be like, you've got to get the ball to Tosh here or, or you, there needs to be those moments. Um, uh, I, I think his full confidence that he's had in Kitley should be out the door. Like you've got to have them on a tighter leash and you've got to be able to make some calls here and there on what the offense is doing. And so, um, but yeah, for me, you know, it's a bummer. Um, you know, I wish we'd have tried harder. I wish we'd have been more competitive. The fact that we weren't competitive at all is going to sting on this one. Uh, it annoys me seeing tech fans still out here on Twitter fighting with Texas people. Like, you know, you're not going to win that battle. It's annoying. Uh, and then I see a lot of people being like, you know, we don't always think about Texas, which is funny for me because we go to every Tech basketball game. And how many horns down do we see? Long. It's like, yeah, yeah they're constantly on our minds, guys. Like, let's it's horrible. Like, let's fucking admit it. Um, they're always on our minds. We're watching <laughs> us play Texas A&M Corpus Christi and every damn college student that's on the people video putting, trial is putting horns. Yeah. down. So you can't tell me that they're not always on our minds because. Like we make it a thing, and I know the majority of like our type of fans don't do that stuff, but uh, I don't know. It's those Twitter fights that we're just going to stay out of. That's why we haven't been very active on on it nope. since you know I, I knew as soon as we lost the game, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to be on here as much uh, over the next few weeks. But let's uh, 
finish off with our stats of the game and our prediction review. Uh, of course, Baron Morton, the 19 for 88 yards and three INTs, one of the worst quarterback performances that you can probably see. Um, he did have a rushing touchdown uh, to add to the stat line, uh, the one touchdown on the game. Taj Brooks, your lone bright spot of the offense, 19 for 95 yards, five short of reaching the century mark. Um, Koy Aiken, your leading receiver, four of 20 for 27 yards. And then on third down, you were three for 13. So, you know, that's just not good when you're competing against a team like Texas and need to be able to convert on those third downs and keep drives going. You just were never able to really do that. Our prediction review scores. Dustin was filling the Texas Tech upset, uh, falls quite short of that. 27 24 was his prediction. Uh, I was feeling Texas beating us. Uh, I was kind of scared of this happening, although I did have a 31-17 score. I was a little too high on our offense, <laughs> uh, getting 17 whole points. Couldn't even do Weren't that. Weren't we all? Um, offensively, Dustin had Barron having over 250 yards and three touchdowns. Well, well short of that. I had Koyik and having over 100 yards. Well, well short of that. Uh, defense, we doubled down, saying Texas Tech would get two turnovers. Uh, they had one. Almost had two. Uh, Braylon Lux had uh, what looked like could have been an interception, but the ball kind of grazed the ground, so he got that one overturned. But uh, did ap- get one turnover, thankfully. Aurelia lost the turnover battle 4-0. to zero. So regular season comes to an end. Uh, the Red Raiders 6-6 six and six after having high expectations heading into the season. We'll do our... Uh, full season breakdowns after the bowl game is over, but Dustin bowl game uh, is upon us after this championship weekend. We will know where Texas Texas Tech is going to be playing. Uh, right now, the two main bowls that I've seen are the Independence Bowl versus Cal or the Armed Forces Bowl versus Air Force. So those are the kind of main options that I've been seeing going around. Uh, which bowl would you prefer uh, and, and why? Whichever one of those is in Fort Worth. <laughs> I think that would be the Armed Forces Bowl. Just because I think, I mean, these are very low bowl games. I mean, obviously we're six and six. I mean, if you're Armed Forces Bowl, you're trying to sell a few hundred thousand, maybe a thousand yeah. tickets. <laughs> like Fort Worth will do that. If you have Texas Tech yeah. there, you know. You'll have a turn. So if we want any kind of fan base at this, like either one of those opponents is good. I think just having a power five type opponent like that. I mean, I know Air Force is kind of whatever, but I still think either one of those opponents would be good. But yeah, just give me somewhere in Texas I think would be best. Yeah, I think the Independence Bowl is in Shreveport, which isn't far. It's only like a three-hour drive for Dallas people. So I think people will still turn out. Tech fans always turn out no matter kind of where the bowl is. I think opponent-wise, I would rather play Cal. Um, I'd rather play a Power 5 team. Um, and then yeah. uh, over Air Force, uh, you know. But, you know, at this point, just a bowl game is good. Like we've talked about, gets more practice, gets these younger guys more yeah, 15 more practices. And so we're uh, going to take that. We'll keep an eye on which bowl the red Raiders get. And of course we'll be back next week to discuss that. Um, other football news before we move on to the battle for Atlantis, the transfer portal has opened and some red Raiders have hit. Yeah, the portal. Baby. Uh, 
Uh, big names on that list include quarterback Tyler Shuck, who somehow still has a year of eligibility, uh, and Miles Price, wide receiver, uh, going to the portal along with a couple offensive linemen. Um, we kind of knew some linemen would probably go in there. We're not getting to play. Landon Peterson, can't remember the other guy. Um, but your thoughts on Tyler? Keeler. Yeah, Keeler. Thanks, Keeler. And then uh, your thoughts on Tyler and Miles Bryce, the kind of big names so far for the Red Raider. Yeah, Shuck. I mean, I guess he came back to try to get some NFL stock going. Obviously, that stopped really short. So he's going to try to run that back one more season. Somebody will take a shot on him. I mean, yeah. he's a sixth or seventh year guy that has a lot of experience. We've seen some good flashes of what he can do. So some kind of mid-level or lower-level team will take a shot that needs uh, to feel kind of like a depth chart hole. Has a gap left in there. But the Miles Price one was kind of surprising. I mean, he had, I don't know, kind of a mediocre season, though. When you look at the numbers, there's like 40 for 400, somewhere in that range. Like Once you see that, the numbers kind of diminish the player name, I think, to in our heads. So, and when your receiver group was one year more disappointing, probably the most off offensive side disappointing group, maybe you do need a shake up over there. And so, yeah, he's been here a while. It'd be sad to see him go, but I'm not that shocked by either of those really. Um, I'm sure there'll be some more names to come out. Who I don't know what, but. I mean, we're only sitting at like three or four guys right now going out. Yeah. I know we've offered a handful of O linemen already. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, and like, that is, that's the big key is O line, wide receiver help, tight end help, D line help. D line help. Yeah. Secondary help. Yeah. I mean, all the positions. Uh, I would even keep an eye on these quarterbacks hitting the portal and see. If maybe you can get one of them, uh, one of these veteran QBs, just in case, like bearing in the guy, or you know, we haven't had injury luck, so you know, you're probably going to need three quarterbacks um, going into next year. But yeah, you know, Tyler, um, you know, appreciate his time here. Unfortunately for him, he was just never healthy enough, and so you hope a change of scenery. Maybe he can be healthy. I think, like you said, somebody will take a shot on him. Maybe a more creative, better offensive coordinator can bring out the the good parts of Tyler Shuck. Uh, Miles Price, you know, yeah, a player that we've liked rooting for. I don't think he ever lived up to the potential that we really had on him. I think a lot of people thought big, bigger things were going to happen for him over the last two years, yep. but um, didn't really, didn't really come to fruition. And so, you know, a change of scenery makes sense. I think a lot of these receivers, you kind of have to look at and think, can we get better at this position? He's a guy that you like as a teammate, you like as a Red Raider, but. Um, you have a lot of guys like Miles Price. I think you need to go find some uh, some guys who can uh, consistently, you know, be out on the field for you, generate some separation, uh, do more with the ball. Unfortunately for him, he just wasn't able to be as explosive of a receiver as you thought you kind of were getting a couple years ago. Um, but those are the guys that are leaving. We'll keep our eye on the portal as December 4th. It, uh, officially is, uh, you can commit to schools at that point. So there'll be a lot of names. Yeah. December 4th is the official open day and it closes on January 4th. So we still have a month of this. 
with with the coaching carousel going at the yeah, same lots time. Of stuff will be happening, and so that's when. And early signees are like December yeah, so 15th. Lots going on over the next few weeks for Red Raiders as we <laughs> look to bring in a bunch of recruits uh, to get signed and get them on campus. Um, and, of course, the transfer portal open and players will be in and out. So we'll keep our eyes on that to, to discuss those as, uh, as news trickles out. Uh, and before we start recording today, post uh, postseason awards were announced. Your first teamers, uh, Taj Brooks, of course, first team offense, Austin McNamara, first team special teams. Uh, second team All-American, Dadrian Taylor Dimerson, Rabbit, gets a, a nod for that. Not going to go through all the honorable mentions as there is a lot. It's like pretty much anybody who started a game. Thank you. Uh, but good job to those guys. Go read the list on. I think that's just if you yeah. get one vote for yeah. anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, special teams player of the year, Austin McNamara gets the nod for that. And we know he was clutch all year punting, unfortunately had his worst game of the season at the last, oh, game, yeah. but still was a really good special teams player all year for you. And, uh, the last award, big 12 co-defensive freshman of the year, Ben Roberts, an award <laughs> we all kind of knew was coming, uh, uh, kind of was thrust into action early on the season with the Jacob Rodriguez injury. Uh, was a really good linebacker for you, one of the few bright spots for this team this year, and so he gets uh, recognition for that. Any thoughts on those awards? Honestly, no. Not surprised by any of them or surprised by any snubs. I think those are the two guys that fall out at their position to get first team. They're pretty easy picks. I'm glad Rabbit did get something because he was by far our best defensive player. And Ben Roberts getting fresh co-freshman of the year, that's great for him because, yeah, he came in and filled in a huge role and led team in tackles just about every game he played. So great job <laughs> for all of them. Yeah, sorry. My uh, cat is uh, trying to interfere with my recording, playing some good defense on me. For sure. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, the one player I wanted to see you get recognized was Taj. I'm glad to see him get that nod. I'm glad to see Ben Roberts get some recognition. Um Last thing I'll ask you about football, and we can move on to basketball. The Doak Walker finalists were announced. Taj Brooks was not among those three finalists, and a lot of people on Twitter were outraged. But I don't know. Those three running backs were all really good, all had more all-purpose yards than Taj, and were all on winning teams. Um, your thoughts on Taj kind of getting left out of that? Yeah, and that's only the top three guys. So, like, yeah. cut the list pretty damn hard pretty quick. Um who are you taking him out over? Right. You know, like and the, the Missouri running back who had, they had a 10 and two season. The North Carolina running back had a really great season. And then um, the Oklahoma all, state all, running back yeah. was the offensive player of the year in the big 12. Yeah. <laughs> so who like are, who are you your out? conference already called him the better running back. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, it's just like, I don't know. Everybody wants to be mad about it. Uh, you know, you want to get, you know, and I get it. We like Taj and we enjoyed this season that we got from him. He was incredible. Uh, but I think winning does factor into the yeah. awards and those three teams all had better seasons than you. Uh, Oklahoma State is playing for a big 12 championship on Saturday. Uh, Missouri had a 10 and two season, North Carolina. I, I, I can't remember their final record, but you know, they're one of the uh, best teams in the, top 25 team in a country and one of the better teams in the ACC. So um, I think winning gets recognized in this. And unfortunately for us, like we just didn't do it and we didn't have enough. Taj was fantastic, but I think overall he's, he comes in fourth in total purpose yards out of that, out of that group. So um, 
one of the other struggles of Kitley was finding other ways to give Taj the ball. And I think he suffered for that a little bit, but wanted to get your thoughts on that. Cause saw everybody doing their outrage thing, even though um, pretty explainable why he was left off that list, but that'll do it for our Texas tech football coverage for this week. We will continue to come back over the weeks, cover, you know, who are playing in the ball game as players transfer in and out. Uh, as signees commit and everything like that, we'll be here to break down all that news. But it's kind of officially on to basketball season now, so let's head over to the hardwood and discuss the Red Raiders trip through the Bahamas and the battle for Atlantis. Well, Dustin, the Red Raiders had three games over the Thanksgiving week, uh, ending in a 2-1 record in the battle for Atlantis. Uh, they started off the journey with a battle against the uh, Villanova in the opening round. Villanova got the better of you. You hung around. You 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 kept it within range till about the 10-minute mark of the second half. You were within four. Uh, then Villanova started making just about every shot they put up ended up with the 85-69 win to start off the tournament. Uh, and so that's how things began for the Battle for Atlantis. Let's kind of go through each of these games, give our quick thoughts on them. Dustin, what was your thoughts on that first game against Villanova with it being your first good team that you're playing this season? Yeah, Villanova's a good team. They ended up winning the whole tournament, so they went 3-0 over the weekend. They're really good. They're solid. And, yeah, yeah I mean, you – didn't play terrible against him. He was all right. And like you said, they just kind of went off towards the end of the game there and pulled away from you. You just didn't have enough firepower to come back. So I'm not hurt or upset about that one necessarily. Yeah, I wasn't too disappointed in that game. I thought you were competitive for the majority of it. I think they just, you know, they started hitting everything and everything kind of fell apart at the end. Um, yep. Some quick stats from that game. Uh, Pop Isaacs had 16 points. Warren Washington, your leading rebounder with eight. Joe Toussaint, eight assists. A guy that we'll talk about a little bit more in depth. Um, but um, and, and he hit 14 threes in this game. I think that was the one encouraging thing for me in this game was that you finally were able to knock down some threes. One thing I've noticed is if you hit a three, the next time you shoot the three, you're going to miss um it's just something that happens it's like we make every other three uh but you were finally able to make threes in that game i think you made more threes in that game than you had made in the entire season going into it yes um so it was encouraging yes. to see those shots falling the ugly side of things was that you were pretty much only shooting threes because you couldn't get the ball inside the paint at all i think you right. might have had under 10 shots in the paint that whole game you were just kind of live and die by the three uh, and ultimately weren't able to make enough threes to hang around that game. Um, but then that turned into uh, the Northern Iowa game. Northern Iowa lost to North Carolina, so you got to face them in the uh, second game. And, well, this game was interesting because it was 30 minutes of suck. It was just horrible basketball. It was panic meter, panic meter at a height, like, oh, my gosh, this team – is not going to be good the rest of the season. You're down in the second half by 15 points. Uh, I kind of quit watching, and then all of a sudden I kind of look back, and all right, we got it down to 10. All right, we got it down to three. We're in this thing, and then it turns into a 72-70 victory as Pop Isaacs plays hero and hits the 
a little floater at the end of the game to give you the 72-70 win. Dustin, this is a roller coaster game. Your thoughts on the win over Northern Iowa? This is the game over the tournament that worried me the most afterwards. Because besides a five-minute stretch of not missing, you played horrible yeah, even in this trying game. to close out that win was like you got a lead and then you kind of <clears throat> gave it away and you're like, all right, did we come all the way back to lose? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the offense was god-awful. I mean, like you said, you, we were down 15 at one point. We did turn the TV off and over to football on that Thursday. Um so I was tired of watching us miss and then we look and yeah, we're down three. Let's turn it back and finish this game out. And luckily we did. And pop came alive. That's, that's probably like the best thing of this week. Cause pop came back alive after his very slow start to the season kind of took over, made some shots, made some threes game winner. Um, but yeah, the first more than half of that game, super worrisome and a lot of teachable coaching yeah. uh, film there <laughs> to, to go over. Yeah, that was a, a highly concerning game um, for a lot of reasons. It just kind of felt like you, you quit after that Villanova game. You didn't come into this game with any sort of energy. I know it was a little early, but um, you didn't have any energy. It seemed like you were just okay with losing. And at that point, I'm thinking we're going to go 0-3 on this trip it's going to be a long season buckle up but one of the things i take from this game is um mccaslin i think so far my early returns on him is i think he's a pretty damn good coach to kind of get this team back in that game um make a a change which was interesting where he put Kerwin walton in finally got some Kerwin walton minutes he only hit one three but that lineup made a real difference he went on a 20 20 to 3 run uh, once you put, um, once you took Lamar Washington out and put Kerwin Walton in, so that was an interesting thing. I'm curious to see how that kind of translates the rest of the year. Uh, but it was definitely trending towards like, oh gosh, like things are going to be brutal this season. Uh, but to come back in those last ten minutes, put a run together, end up clawing a victory, shows signs of life from this team, much needed life. Uh, and then it was kind of how you took that into the next game, which we'll get into next. Uh, but some quick stats from this one. Joe Toussaint, your leading scorer, 21 points uh, on the game. He also had, let's see, two assists, one steal. Uh, so he was making plays for you. Only one turnover as well. So that's been one of the things Joe's been really good at, not turning the ball over. Pop had 18 points, including that game winner. Um, so those were your two leading scorers. Uh, other than that, you know, Darian Williams, 10 points, Devin Cambridge, 10 points, um, Darian Williams, 10 and nine in that game. So he was, he's had a, he had a pretty nice little tournament. We'll get into some more of the player specific stuff, uh, after that. But then yeah, when it's the last game, uh, where you're playing the Michigan Wolverines and, uh, your best game of the tournament ends up being the last game of the tournament. You needed to kind of see what this team was made of after uh, a loss, a pretty tough game where you had to claw back to fight. And then he led Michigan wire to wire in a 73-57 win uh, where you never had really had to sweat it. You were in control the whole time uh, and come away with a 2-1 and one record from this tournament. Your thoughts after the Michigan game and after an impressive win? Yeah, Michigan game was by far your best game and yes. complete game for sure. 
Um, it's also nice to see, like, kind of, <clears throat> you can see we average just over 70 a game, so need to hit that mark, hold teams under that to win games. But, yeah, really good effort defensively, rebounding, like, made shots early and <laughs> kept it going. Like, you never had the lull of not scoring and then, like, go off for 15 straight like you did against Northern Iowa. So the consistency was the best part of this one. Yeah, that's what I like from this game. I like that you were also able to attack and get points in the paint. That was like the probably one of the most encouraging things to me in this game because you didn't shoot the three particularly well. You were only 5 yeah. for 21 from three. But the, the problems in the first two games were just your ability to get anything going interior on the offense. And it looked like, oh, my gosh, if we play a big team, we're just not going to be able to do things there. Felt like your offense was a little more open in this game. Uh, you also wreaked some havoc defensively, so you were able to get a lot of points on transition, um, which I think is yep. one of the keys for this team is to really get going and push the pace when you have uh, numbers and, and try to get buckets on that. Um, and so I thought this was a very good indicator of, what, okay, this team can bounce back, and this is what this team can look like when the defense is playing at its best level. Like you held Michigan, which is a team that averages in the 80s to 57 points. Um, so that's kind of that elite-style defense that you expect from uh, McCaslin coach team. Uh, and then you did it with a lot of transition. Uh, and so that was impressive for me. Your, your stats from this game, and it was kind of one of those games where everybody ha who played had a pretty good game. Um, Joe Toussaint, again, one of your leading scorers, 17 points, uh, four assists. Um, Devin Cambridge tied for the leading score, 17 points, seven rebounds. Darian Williams, a double-double with 13 points and 10 rebounds. Pop had 13 points. Um, and, and then Warren Washington had eight points for you. I thought he played a pretty nice game. So, uh, you had a lot of, a lot of those guys are going to count on doing a lot stuff in the stat sheet. So it, I thought it was really good. Uh, performance a great way to end that tournament feeling a lot better about yourself as you uh, head to Butler for your next game so uh, battle for Atlantis review now Dustin we kind of went through the stats there talked about players who were some of the players that impressed you the most this tournament I know before the week we talked about some breakout players Darian Williams was one we discussed Chance McMillan was one uh, but who who are you impressed with the most yeah Joe Toussaint has really yeah. come into his own and she could say taking over control of this team as the dude. Now I do wish early on he wouldn't jack up some threes, you know, getting more yeah. of a rhythm. So you don't airball those first couple, <laughs> but he's doing a great job handling the ball, scoring, getting to the basket, playing great defense. Like pretty much all his games have been really good. Um, so that's awesome. I think Devin Cambridge also yeah. had a good weekend. I like, just how consistent he is out there for you on all aspects as well. And then uh, I still like what Chance and Kerwin gave you, like, as shooters. Now you kind of – you hinted at it a little bit ago, like McCasson making some lineup adjustments as he went through to maybe get some more athleticism and shooters out there um, rather than just going with a traditional type of lineup. So – and – Pop came back alive after his very, very slow start to the season. So that's a plus. Yeah, it was good to see him start to have some shots fall. You definitely are going to need him to be the good pop, not the bad pop, because when he's the bad pop, it can be uh, a real difficult for your team. 
But I, oh, yeah. I, I was super impressed with Joe Toussaint this weekend. The way he plays, he's just in control. He knows his game. Like you said, could do without some of the force threes at the start of the game. But ultimately, like in the second half, he's the guy that I want the ball in his hands because he makes the right plays. He can, yeah, he can create his own shot. He can get in the paint, hit little tough, tough uh, step back jumpers, can hit threes pretty consistently. Also, his assist to turnover ratio has been really good. Uh, you know, he's able to create shots for other players, limit the turnovers. Yep. Uh, and so for me, that's been one of the, the things that I've noticed here early on is I thought pop would kind of be the guy that I want the ball in his hands, but I've really trusted Joe Toussaint a little bit more. And I think, Agreed. I think he's the guy in these close games and, and tough big 12 games that you're really going to want, uh, the ball in his hands to see what he can do with it. Uh, and so far the season, he's come through for you a majority of the time. So that's been really impressive. I like Devin Cambridge. I, lo- I loved what he gave you in that Michigan game. Um, he's, he's a really – he's a big problem in transition uh, because he's able to guard. He, he really helps you go to a small ball lineup, and I think that was also the key in that Northern Iowa comeback is you made him your small ball five, and you're able to kind of pick up the pace of your offense – uh, he can beat mm-hmm. you, you know, he can hit threes. He's not your best three point shooter, but he is a force out there, but he's also very good transition wise. Um, and then, you know, Kerwin, I, I was impressed, you know, Kerwin getting thrown out there. I was impressed yeah. that he was able to, to do some things for you, hit a big three um, and, and kind of find some playing time for him because it kind of seemed like Damarian Williams, him were kind of getting left behind, which was kind of one of the things that we yeah. nervous about, but. He found a, a way yeah. to, to make an impact, and and so I was impressed with those guys. Uh, and, and whatever he can give you is a plus for this team. So uh, that's what I like. Uh, anything that that you learned about this team from from this past week? Anything that really stood out to you besides like some of the players and, and stuff? Yeah, two big big things. Like uh, number one's obvious. Like the less we turn it over, the better, the better we are on offense. Because like. Those first three, four games, even Villanova, like in Northern Iowa, I guess, we turned it over a lot. And that's not good. <laughs> when we didn't turn it over these last, you know, game and a half, really good things happen when we get quality offensive possessions. And like the other thing is like how how we work the offense. I think we're still figuring that out and McCaslin's working on it. But I, too many times he has just come down and swing the ball around and then shoot a three. And we don't even try to get the ball in the paint or drive or get aggressive. Like I would rather see more inside out. Not that we have to score it from inside, but what basketball people would call it. We got to touch the paint with the ball and then work our way out from there. Like that'll help our three point shooting at yeah. later rather than just trying for the threes to begin with, you know, you know what I'm saying? So like adjusting that offensive set as we go will help us a lot too. Yeah. I thought a lot of the threes were just, like you said, it was just pretty stagnant offensively and you're just jacking a three. Um, And and it was pretty disappointing that you weren't able to attack the paint at all. Like in that first game and the, the majority of the second game. I thought like finally you started passing the ball more and, and you had a lot more movement and motion in the offense. And that's finally when you were able to break through against Northern Iowa, finally get some, you were yeah. able to get some better, more open looks from three. Um, there was that really great yeah. possession where it came down to, you had like 
six great passes. It looked like the Spurs kind of offense out there is like extra pass, extra pass, extra pass, extra pass. And then you got Joe Toussaint wide open for a three. He hits the game time three, like right as the shot clock expires. But that was great offense. Like you had the defense scrambling yes. because you're making extra passes. You're getting the ball to guys who are open and then the defense is panicking on them. And then you're right hitting them on the weak side again. And I thought you did a good job of that in the Michigan game. If you're going to do that, you're going to be a really competitive offense. You're going to get looks, and it's just going to be, hey, are we shooting threes good tonight or are we not? But I, I thought once you finally started passing the ball, pushing the tempo a little bit more on offense, that opened things up for you. Um, and, and, and really for me, like the, the defensive performance in that Michigan game was a big thing because that's what your defense can be at its best level. That's a really good defense, and, and that was a good offense you were facing. And so that can show me – like what the peak of this defense is, it can really shut down some teams uh, and, and play into your favor. Um, it'll be interesting to see kind of how we look uh, at Butler and this next game, but I definitely thought your offense improved a lot. I hope we can keep that up uh, and using Devin Cambridge in those small ball situations. I really thought you had like four guards kind of on the court. Um, and that's a benefit is you got a bunch of guys who can attack and create open looks for other players. Uh, still does concern me what we're going to look like against bigger teams like a Kansas and stuff like that when you have a bunch of big posts. Like, are we just going to have to shoot 53s? Um, like, what, what's that going to look Maybe. like? So that's probably my biggest concern is is uh, what we look like against bigger teams if Warren Washington isn't really a, a factor on offense. Um, he – He's still he's an interesting player. He has like no offensive touch, like literally no touch around the nope. room. Like I, I, I don't. He also doesn't have any touch when defending a three point shooter. Yeah, like he, but yet he can play some pretty good post. Uh, he's a good rebounder, but man, you get them the ball around. That's the what killed me the most was yeah those three in every game except Michigan, I guess. Like he just runs out of three point shooters and knocks them over. It's like, dude, you're our only big man. We can't afford you to have dumb fouls like that one you don't need to be jumping at and into the guy you're seven foot dude you're seven foot just run out and put your hands up like and contest don't jump like we can't have him get dumb fouls on the perimeter especially early in yeah. games like he did on those first two games like and i think every game so far he's averaging like three dumb fouls you're just like what are you doing dude probably what are you doing <laughs> I, don't, I don't get why you're doing this but um but it will be interesting to see. Uh, he just needs to be a, a rebounder, uh, putback, and rim runner. He's a really good rebounder. I do not like when we try to throw the ball into him at the post and let him go to work because he just, man, he had no touch around the rim. Uh, he is the opposite of Jokic uh, on the block. And so that's not necessarily what you want to be doing offensively. Uh, thoughts on Grant McCaslin so far uh, now that we're, we've kind of seen him have to coach against uh, – you know, had to see him figure out a way to come back against uh, Northern Iowa. What he did against Michigan. What you what, what have you thought about him so far? I like what he's doing, like making minor adjustments as he's going. Like nothing's like super drastic from week to week, or we don't know what's going on. But like he's still tinkering with who's subbing in. I mean, the bench is still pretty small. Uh, who we're playing this early, in my opinion, but. Um, like the tinkering and going smaller lineups with getting Kerwin more minutes and Cambridge at the five ish, you know, like I like that kind of stuff, like adjusting as you're going and not just stick your head in the mud and here's what we're doing. And you can see like 
he's always coaching dudes when they come out and like not just yelling at them that they suck or whatever, don't shoot the ball. Like we've had former coaches do um, like coaching and asking them what they're doing and what they're seeing and what to look for and how to yeah. change those things, you know? Yeah. He's been fun to watch. I forgot, you know, like I've said, I think multiple times. Yeah. He's interactive. I forgot what it's like <laughs> to have a coach actually coach uh, and actually like engage with players on the sideline. You, you never really saw that Mark Adams and his arms folded across. No. Um, just, yeah. Just, just standing there. So I've been, I've enjoyed it. He's been, I think he, yeah, like you said, he makes some right adjustments at the right times, you know, fig, finding out like Devin Cambridge was a mismatch for Michigan and just kind of uh, using that over and over again to an advantage uh, that Kerwin Walton putting in him when he needed to find something, um, you know, you needed to figure out how you're going to win that game and that change ended up benefiting you. So uh, I've liked what I've seen so far from him. I'm on the Grant McCaslin trained and I, th- I think he's going to be a coach that helps us win more games than he does lose them. And so that's what you want out of a head coach up next for the red Raiders. They take on the Butler Bulldogs on Thursday night in uh, at Butler. Uh, so this is part of the big 12 big East challenge, which is new for this season. So that'll be a good road test for you. Hopefully you can build off of that Michigan performance, get the win there. And then next week on December 6th, which I believe is a Wednesday, uh, we play Omaha at home. So that'll be our first game back in a couple weeks. So, uh, get out to the USA next week. We'll be back to discuss um, to discuss these games and, and previews the upcoming ones next week. Any other basketball tidbits you want to get get to? No, man. All right. Well, that's everything Texas Tech we got for you guys this week. Dustin, any final shots for? I don't actually. I'm good for the day. Yeah, I was kind of thinking right now that you know not a whole lot uh, to discuss. The Lady Raiders pulled off two victories in Vegas in their Thanksgiving Day tournament or their Thanksgiving tournament. So shout out to them. Um, you know, transfer portals open. So that's been, you know, kind of wild to see some of the names. You got Will Howard from Kansas state. Who's hit the portal, Blake Shapin from Baylor. Who's hit the portal. Um, so those are some of the big quarterback names from the big 12, uh, that have hit the, the uh, Duke kid just hit Riley Leonard, oh, Riley Leonard in the portal, the coastal Carolina quarterback quarterback, who uh, hit the portal. Um, KJ Jefferson, Arkansas, uh, quarterbacks hit the portal so there's some big names out there uh so we'll be interested to see where some of these guys wind up with conference realignment and everything going on next year um we'll be definitely interested to monitor that so uh portal season has turned into nba free agency kind of it's just crazy and um never know what's going to happen so yeah a lot of these guys shifting players who've maybe reached the max talent that they fill out of school can maybe see if they can go somewhere else a better school and do it there so we'll be monitoring that um and yeah college basketball is kind of in full swing a lot of big tournaments over the last week and so uh as football dies down college basketball kind of takes precedent here for us so We'll be monitoring all that, but that'll do it for us this week here at Tailgate Talks to catch everything we're doing this basketball season. You got to follow us, follow us on Apple, follow us on Spotify. Give us those five-star ratings, five stars for the tailgate. And if you listen to us on Apple, we always appreciate those reviews. Follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at tailgate underscore talks where we do most of our posting and interacting, but we also have Facebook, Instagram, and a YouTube channel. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us this week. 
discussing that awful Texas loss. We all want to forget that one. So, you know, if you don't want to relive it, just skip to the uh, basketball portion. Uh, we appreciate discussing the battle for Atlantis, Texas Tech going two and one in that. We'll be back next week to discuss more basketball and more football as news comes out. And as always, we'll catch y'all at the next one.